Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. A choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expanding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I'm your host, Brandon Thomas. This week, really cool episode, guys. I got to sit down and talk to Ronald or Ronnie Kinsella and uh, talk to him about his new book, The Digital Demon, Countdown to Disaster. Uh, We have an awesome conversation, guys. He is an author, an artist, an all-around phenomenal human being, and a sweetheart to boot. So you guys enjoy this episode. His book will be linked in the show notes as well as how to find him on Facebook there. And we will uh, talk to you all after the break. Enjoy the interview. So thank you guys for listening to Expanding Reality. Today we have Ronald Kinsella on the program and we are very excited to talk to him. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Uh, How's everything going over there in the UK, man? Yeah, things are uh, picking up uh, as you and your lovely people probably know that uh, the COVID, they they are using now the jab. Mm. Uh, I haven't had mine yet. I haven't had mine, but it's it's being uh, uh, distributed. And um, we're just hanging on in there as the rest of the world is. Whether Mm. it works or not, we don't know yet, but we'll see. Are you uh, in line to get that? Are you looking forward to doing that? Um, I think, to be honest, I think, I don't think there'll be an option in the future. I think they'll make it mandatory, but I know some people have had it and they're fine. Mm. So, okay. Well, good. I, I just hope you're okay if you do if you do make that decision, buddy. Yeah, I think we're just yeah. all ready for something to get back to normal. And if that's the way, then I think a lot of folks are going to do that. So, yeah, that's right. I mean, apart from that, yeah, everything's fine. Excellent. I mean, I, I I will say that I'm being made redundant. It's not the company's fault, but you know what? I just go with a smile. <laughs> it's like the Joker said: if you've got to go. Go with a smile. <laughs> that was a damn good joker. <laughs> he does impressions too, folks. Uh, yeah. we'll, get, we'll get your Sir Patrick Moore in here in a minute. Uh, oh, well, tell, uh, tell my audience just a little bit about yourself, my friend. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm Ronald Kinsella, but I prefer to be called Ronnie. I think that's more, more uh, it's less formal, Ronnie. Um, I'm an identical twin. Uh, my brother is seven minutes older than me, as 
Brandon and I were just discussing this. He likes to let me know that. He's the older brothers by seven minutes. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to enter the world. I was the, the, uh, the clever one because I didn't want to come out, but I was forced to. <laughs> the whole day. But no, I'm, I'm also um, uh, a great believer in truth, honesty, and morals. I was brought up very uh, uh, properly, uh, speaking the Queen's English. People, I mean, I was born, when, when you're born in, in the uh, late 60s or 70s, you, of course you would speak like that. People tend to think, oh, you, you sound very posh, don't you? But the thing is, when we were younger, it was drummed into you. You had to speak properly. You had to know your P's and Q's. And we were taught manners and not to lie. So I think I was very fortunate, not saying that they, they don't do that now, but they certainly don't speak the Queen's English. Certainly not. They don't even use their English. I don't think half of them. <laughs> and us Americans, just more, you know, we don't speak it. We more chew it up and spit it out, you know. <laughs> but I've, be, I've been brought up um, uh, humbly, I think, and uh, uh, certainly to know my place and my manners. Well, you can really tell. Um, so I did interview your brother uh, a few weeks back, um, and just after two minutes with you, and I've heard some other interviews and seen some things that you've done, I already know how well you guys were raised. I mean, you guys have just, you are some of the sweetest people I've ever talked to. And I've told my wife that, and she said the same thing. She was like, oh my God, they're just so sweet. I'm like, I know. So I. Uh, Manners aside, uh, what what do you do um, in your day to day? What interests you? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm an artist. I love art, and as as you as you know, Brandon, I, yes, I absolutely love art. And um, I've recently developed an interest in digital art. Um, I'll tell you why. There's a good reason for it. I used to draw. Uh, things conventionally or traditionally using watercolor or oils not oils as much but you know but i'm colorblind oh wow so yeah one one time i painted a green horse for someone and and thought it was brown you know it's the first green horse in the world i think i think that's uh, the first unique horse ever i want a green horse now yeah (laughs) (laughs) but the the advantages of the color wheel is that the colors are set because when you're colorblind, people automatically think you see black and white. That's not true. Uh, I don't know about others, but with myself and Philip, our grandfather was interestingly colorblind as well. But myself and Philip, I, um, it's the shades. I can see all the colors. It's distinguishing shades. Let's say a green can be dark. That might look brown to me. Or the brown could be lighter, and I'll think that's green. It's very strange. No matter how many times you look at a colour, you can't record it. It's just what they call a colourblind. It's not a handicap for me. Um, it never has been. But I certainly wouldn't want to be in the military because if they shoot, Rani, shoot the brown tank, shoot the, <laughs> shoot the green one. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah, you want to stay away from any firearms where colour yeah, is the target. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. The, the uh, digital the- wheel a digital wheel is set so I know exactly what colors are where now, the basic primary colors. Okay. So that's how I, so digital arts has helped me with the colors as well. Because your art is amazing. I mean, I saw the work that you did on Introducing UFOs, Philip, uh, Philip Mantle's book, and you are under his uh, publishing company. That's a cool family to be a part of, man. Uh, and we are definitely going to get to your book that you wrote here. Um, it because you've written several, but we're going to talk about your new one. But uh, it, the artwork that you do is incredible. I was telling him that I, specifically on our interview, because I talked to Philip, uh, was that your depiction of the Kenneth Arnold sighting was incredible. 
I mean, yeah, that was so cool. And it's got such great colors in it. So have you ever tried on those glasses? You know, that have you seen those videos of people that have never seen color or the colorblind and they try the glasses on? Yeah, I've, I've seen them. No, actually, no, I've never actually seen them around, but I have heard of them. And if they work, well, fantastic All right, for this of people. We're going to start you a GoFundMe. I'm going to get the <laughs> listeners to get some money together and we are going to get you some of those damn glasses, man. But the, the caveat here is if you make a video of it, I can't watch it. Have you ever seen the videos of people doing that? I have some of them, and they, they, they one got. I did see one. It was very interesting and very touching. Yes, uh, where he opened up the box, and it was like the work. His work teams, his work uh, team had got it for him, and he put them on. And because it's mainly men, more men yeah. than women that yep. suffer from color blindness, um, and he put them on, and he was like, "My God!" So I think it, it depends on what, how severe it is, or what exactly type of color blindness you have whether they see black and white i suppose some of them do yeah. i mean i wouldn't know i could never understand it was anyone as older that i realized exactly what the problem was because the doctors when i was younger I've, I've gone through all the tests you have to then we had to go to the gp i've had all the tests everything and they never explained what it was i don't think they really knew it's just that right you're colorblind there's some dots here can you see them no <laughs> Okay, you're kind of blind. Uh, yeah, get out there and enjoy the world. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and it is. Those videos are, they I tear up damn near every time, man. It's like there's a few different things that just get to me emotionally that I know, and that is one of them. That's one of my Achilles heels It's those people when they start weeping because they're seeing color for the first time. Something yeah. a lot of people take for granted, you know. So, all right, yes. listeners, I, we're going to do a GoFundMe. Email me if you're interested in doing that, and let's get some cash put together. Uh, I'll get some quotes for you guys, and we'll get we'll get Ronnie here, his um, color bl- glasses. Um, I think the green horse sounds awesome though. So I don't know if we should alter it, but, uh, so let me ask you, um, on your artwork, uh, I know that you used to do things you said by watercolor, so more analog, uh, to digital. And then now you're doing the digital stuff. You, I've seen pictures of your setup and man, that looks so cool. I know nothing about graphic art, but I, I can respect it. And I've seen your artwork. I will link to some of this stuff in the show notes guys, as well as, uh, to your Facebook and how to find you as well as to your new book. And you guys go check out his artwork. It is some of the coolest stuff, especially like the cover of your book there. You just had it. Will you hold that thing up and show everybody? So he did this. Look at that. Damn, that's cool. Thank you. That's, 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 that's the demonic, or as, as some people call it, reptilian. But I, I rate it more as demon, uh, demonic. Um, the good thing, the cool thing about them is, is that uh, when you create monsters, or you, uh, as because as you said, I'm under Philip Mantos flying this press. He he occasionally asked me to do some pictures for him. When you depict aliens, you can get away with them because there are no comparisons. Mm, you see yep. what I mean? There's no comparisons. Whereas if I was asked to do uh, a representation of someone else's art, like Ridley Scott's Alien, which I tried, it gets a bit harder because there are comparisons. And he's a genius anyway. His Alien uh, scared the willies out of me. I mean, yeah. absolutely. My God, that was a nightmare to behold. But you see what I mean? So I'm, I'm very fortunate. I prefer to do creature effects that are uh, suggested, like the Kelly Hopkinsville incident that happened in your great country many years ago, which I believe, um, which I've done them, but I haven't published them yet. Um, I've done the goblins. Uh, so uh, things like that I love doing. Uh, robots are a bit harder, although I do like robots, uh, because it, they have a hardcore surface. So I'm still learning about hardcore surfaces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, well, I want to see. I love it. I want to see some robots, and I need to commission some stuff for you to get uh, for the studio, and I'll put it up in here and tell everybody yeah. all about it so we'll do we'll work that out off air um yeah. okay well what what uh made you interested in the phenomena because tell tell folks uh, a little bit about kind of 
what your interest is and why you draw the things that you do or the artwork is the way it is and why you write about the things that you write about? It's funny, you know, that's a very good question because I actually had, when I was younger, I had absolutely no interest in the paranormal. I'm ashamed to say, and it, uh, the people will say, hey, that sounds good. You know, oh, he's saying he never believed it, but now he does. It's not like that. It's not like that. I didn't believe it. Yeah. Man, I did not believe in them. I, I used to poke fun at people when I was younger about what, there was some occasional reports in the newspapers about UFOs, uh, flying saucers, as they called them then. And I'd laugh at them. I think, God, that's ridiculous. I never believed in mediums either. There was a famous lady uh, when I was young who was a leading medium at the time. Um, I won't give her name. That would be insulting because she is genuine. It was my ignorance and arrogance that uh, forced me to think she was fake. So I had no interest in the paranormal. Well, you wouldn't. You're a kid. You know, you're curious. You want to play cowboys and Indians. You want to go out with your mates on your choppers. And I had a chopper in the early 1980s. I bought a brand new chopper. You want to go out and play. And, but uh, it's the interest came about when it was forced upon me. And I'll say that, forced upon me. Because... Uh, in the summer, I believe it was the summer of 1982, it was 1982. It took us a while, Philip and I, to gauge the year because we must remember, as children, you don't keep diaries. Right. I never keep a diary. I mean, I was lazy. I, was, I admit it, even in this book here, I was lazy at school. I didn't want to write. I didn't want to learn anything. I just wanted to play. So I didn't document it. But it was 1982, and we used to stay at summer uh, we used to stay with our grandparents who lived in Feltham, Tashbrook Road, lovely big houses, um, for the summer holiday for six weeks. And it was one of those times. Our grandfather then worked at Heathrow Airport. He worked for KLM. He wasn't home. Excuse me. And it was one of these days where we saw something extremely bizarre. And this, I believe, was the beginning of the events that would continue. Now, I am not an abductee. Hmm. I, I, I hate that word. I feel sorry for those who are, yeah. but I'm not. I don't claim to be anything of the sort. I have seen them once them. We'll get to that obviously shortly, but yes, sir. Uh, the first thing we saw was um, we were out in the garden. I would think, I, if I remember correctly, it was early afternoon. Um, we were with our grandma and I, th I think she was hanging out washing, but she was with us in the back garden. It was a long garden, very private. And we were just fussing about grandma as you do. She was a tiny lady. like a, She reminded me of a little Italian lady. You know, she was cooking, you know, but she wasn't, but she was lovely. And um, we were fussing about her. And all of a sudden, this, this silver, what we thought was a balloon, whipped from the rear of the garden and headed straight for us. Uh, as it approached, I knew it wasn't a balloon. It wasn't a balloon, as a matter of fact. It was a little bit breezy. This thing was focused. It came straight over, and it s remained stationary over Grandma's head. Now, this is level with the second bedroom window. So the second level. Yeah, that low. So it's not. that's how low it was. Yeah. And their house is three stories high. They were quite big houses, but even so, it was low. It hung over her head, and it just stopped. Smack, it just stopped. And I was absolutely gobsmacked. I mean, this is 1982. They didn't, you know, people, I've heard the 
the, the views of, oh, you know, it's military. No, no, no. They didn't even have drones then like that. They have no anti-gravity mechanisms. And even if they did, I'm not denouncing the military, their cleverness. They're very smart. Don't get me wrong, they are smart. But 1982, you know, over a grandmother and her two grandchildren, they wouldn't even bother. This thing hovered over her head, and I had a good look at it, a damn good look at it. It was sort of like a dirty chrome, but it was chrome. The dirtiness could be attributed to the reflection of what was around it. Um, there were no seams. There was no cord. It didn't make any noise at all. There was no noise from it. It was watching us. And I was so unnerved. I remembered saying to Philip, you know, we said to Grandma, look, look. And she, I re- if I remember correctly, I mean, I've documented it in this, this book, but she said, uh, oh, look, the fairies have come to take a look. Now that's a damn odd thing to say. Yeah. I think she knew we'd be frightened, so she tried to make it sort of like there's an explanation, even though that's outlandish. It's an explanation. It's the fairies. I, mean, I didn't believe in fairies. But when I was looking at this thing, I got the impression it was watching us. It was watching us. This thing was watching us. I referred to it as an electronic eye. And after a time, I think it was a minute, two minutes, I think, it then began to head straight to the house. And it stopped at the second window. Uh, it stopped, and I didn't realize at the time, it must have been peering through mm. the window. That was mine and Philip's bedroom. Obviously, we wouldn't know that when we're staying with them. Yeah. Uh, and then it climbed up. It went up to the third, stopped at the window, then went up, and it, it disappeared over the roof. We raced in because at the front of the house, there's an old, like a little bridge where they live by, a little stream, and uh, a dirt track leading off, to, oh, way off to a park, and we could see it, and it accelerated, accelerated faster and faster, bang, it's gone. Wow. Do you know what was strange about that? What the damnedest thing was, was how it was like a dream, how you... You don't talk about it. It became like something that just faded. It didn't because it was logged in there, but it just faded, just faded into the annals of absolute oblivion until the second one happened. And that was to do with me in 1982, the winter. It's when I saw them. So this this initial thing, and, 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 and you know, it's funny because people will say, you know, it's a balloon your imagination is technology no i've gone through everything and when you're there yourself when you're there it's very haunting it's like it's like something from doctor who you know this thing that i knew immediately as soon as i saw it and it looked heavy very heavy it looked very heavy it's the size of a football i'd say perhaps the size of a football about that size and in relation to the height probably 30 feet up 35 feet 30 feet i assume it wasn't very high at all and i got a damn and it, it's just it just just hung there still and it was like you can you can imagine how a 13 year old kid would feel looking at something like this yeah it was you know at school you're 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 taught about the the necessities of life and the 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 things that matter these don't come into it and if they do, I found very sorely, is that when they do, they're not to be spoken of or they are to be forgotten and not mentioned. 
Yeah, there's a big suppression uh, tactic on that, and it's it's mostly to demystify the phenomena. Um, it, it seems to be that uh, no matter what you say or see, um, it's number one, you know, we're tribal creatures, so we want to fit in. We want to be a part of a tribe. We want to be a part of a group and not be outcasts. And what they've successfully been able to do with the phenomena is get people to feel like they are outcasts if they even ask questions about this. Even the term conspiracy theorist was brought up by the CIA for anybody who questioned the original story or the official narrative of the JFK assassination. And it was oh, meant yes. to belittle people and to demystify what uh, is actual phenomena going on. And of course, you're not going to hear about this in, you know, in school, because number one, I don't think most people know what it is. Number two, it doesn't help you become a good uh, functional member of society that will, you know, acquire debt and then be owed to a bank and then, you know, work for something as far as being a workforce for the state or for the government or whatever. It, it makes you ask questions. It makes you write amazing books. It makes you do some really cool artwork. And that's not something that's helpful to anybody, especially people that come up with narratives to suppress the the and demystify the phenomena. So on, the, I just had a question about your first experience there. Um, couple, actually. How big was the one that you saw with your grandmother in the garden? About the size of a football. I think it was more or less the size of a football. And the Perhaps second one as well? I didn't see a second one. That was the only one I saw. The second one is when I saw them. My apologies. Okay. Now, That's all right. That's all right, Brandon. Your, your grandmother uh, was seemingly unfazed by it. Not only, maybe, maybe it was the thick skin and the ability to kind of tell you guys something to make you feel better. But it seems, has she ever told you about anything that she ever experienced? She did tell us something um, prior to this. She was psychic. Ah, uh, okay. So things we like didn't, this run in your family. We didn't, I didn't, I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't understand what that was. I suppose I had a vague idea, yeah. but I didn't understand. But she knew things we didn't know. The family would clarify this. She knew things. She never mentioned these things, yeah. but it, it, she never mentioned that at all. And she was not phased when she saw it. Uh, she wasn't phased at all. She just said the fairies. And that's what she'd always say, you see, I suppose to hide what psychic meant. Because at 13, I don't understand what, I didn't understand. In 1982, I didn't understand what psychics were. Um, that you know this the fairies were used to cover like the fairies told me or they whispered things to me that you know your 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 legs injured and she was right she found bruises on my legs she was amazing but it was something that was never really spoken about in fact hardly ever um especially this thing when we saw this uh, in 1982 i've never seen it again uh, that's the only time i've seen the the as i call it electronic eye yeah now, um, we, that's probably why you're so well-mannered, because you couldn't get away with anything. Your grandma knew everything you were doing all the time, right? <laughs> that's why she give you whoopings before you did it, yeah. like precognition. <laughs> well, she, she, I don't know about that, but she was, she knew things that certainly we, we could, we didn't know how she knew. She was just, in, yes, she had the, the gift, I suppose, as we now know, the gift. And it seems to run in your family. Was there anything, did she say that her mom or her grandmother had any of this? Or did she give you any perspective of um, like a ancestry lineage with this type of stuff? Because no, I bet the family. further you go back, the more they didn't talk about it. That's right. She never spoke about her family at all. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 uh, uh, never. No. I, I'm just curious because your brother's a medium. So it, it, seem, yeah. it seems to kind of um, go in there. I think there was an advantage. I guess that's the advantage of being born seven minutes early is you get the yes. medium from grandma, but you get the art <laughs> talent uh, seven minutes later, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah, because um, I'm, I'm not psychic anyway. So he got it. I've, I'm, I couldn't raise the skin of a rice pudding. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but, I okay. intu- but I've had intuition. Yeah. Sporadic, um, brief. We'll get to that later. If yeah, you want, sure, Brandon. sure. Absolutely. I'd yeah. love to. I'll bring it back up. Um, yeah. Okay, so your, your second uh, encounter that you had, the winter of 1982. Uh, yeah. tell, tell us about that. That was the worst of it. And I will say, um, as far as I know, I have not seen them again, them again, thank God. Now, what's interesting, very interesting about this, this is what caused me to write The Digital Demon, is that we hear about these greys. We hear about greys, 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 it's greys. But these weren't greys. Um, what happened was, and ironically, I uh, made a connection afterwards with the orb and them. I would never have connected the two until much later in life. I mean, you wouldn't. You're terrified. until you, When you get older, you then start forming a picture or a pattern. It didn't help. There was no uh, answers to it. I still don't know why they did it, what they did. But it seems highly likely that the electronic eye could possibly have been part of them. They were watching or looking at their goods prior to snatching. Mm. You know, I don't know. Um, or observing them, subjects things that could be taken and looked at. But what happened was, yes, we, we lived in 1982. We lived in a nice part of Luton. I loved it. It's Hazelbury Crescent. And there were old Victorian houses, big old rooms. It didn't mean to say we had money. It's just what we had. They were big old. It's a big old house. And Philip and I then shared a room. We were 13. And the room was huge. I mean, really massive. And... <sighs> It uh, it was uh, winter, I know that, and as I said, I didn't record the date, and it was the most horrifying thing um, I think I can ever recall. Um, I was just taken up in my bed, but it was asleep. It's funny that, isn't it? Mm. It was asleep. These people I found through recent research is that you can scream and scream. They're not going to wake up. They won't. I know that through Earl Grey and other uh, witnesses, bless them, who've seen them, um, who I've documented in the book, who he's a wonderful man. He's part of Mufon, Earl Grey. Um, I was just taken up. Now, it was dark. I think I was wearing my pajamas. Um, and I went through the ceiling. Now, I went through the ceiling, and there was something hanging in the sky. Now, it was dark. I couldn't discern what this thing was. It was there was something there. It was big and black, hovering up there above the house. I couldn't discern what it was. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I was being taken up. And it's, you know, even relaying it now, it seems I feel sometimes when I relay this uh, uh in public, I feel a bit embarrassed because you're going to get the people. You're going to get them who will say he's a liar. He he's lying. I do not lie. This was not sleep paralysis. It was nothing of the sort. I was conscious and I was shooting up there to this thing. Now the strange thing is, I can't remember entering it. Now why can't people remember when they just pass into it? But I awoke. I wasn't asleep. I made that quite clear, but I woke and I was in this modern wheelchair and in a room. I knew I was in the thing. Um, and I was partially paralyzed. Now, I don't know why. It, it, I didn't realize I was paralyzed until I tried to move. And then it didn't really bother me. What bothered me, what was, I was looking at, because you're suddenly in, thrust in a situation, you, you're completely confused. You're blown. And now, 
ahead of me, it looked like a hospital room, but it wasn't. I know it wasn't. It was different. It was squatter. What was this side to my right? I cannot tell you. This side, there was a trolley or some kind of trolley with instruments on. So it was a medical environment. There was, I think the wall curved, but beyond them, there was an operating table. And seated, uh, sorry, standing before, because I was seated, standing before the operating table were these three guys, but they weren't people. I knew that instantly. These were tall and they were completely covered. And the only way I can relay this to you was like the old, rather a radiation outfit or gas masks, which was very strange. Yeah. They, 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 they had, I think, round lenses. I, I've illustrated them, but I've elaborated down here because I can't remember the mouthpiece, but they, there was no mouthpiece to be seen. So in my illustrations to try and reconstruct them as best I can, I've added something in there, but that wasn't true. But their lenses were, they were completely covered. Even their hands were covered. Now, three of them were standing ahead of this table and ahead of me. And I knew there was someone behind me. There was someone behind me. I don't know what it was. I just knew there was one behind me. Now, strangely, I could not see him. He made it quite evident he did not want to be seen because I tried to turn my head. I couldn't. I could see this part, but I, I couldn't remember it. So I'm not going to elaborate on that. And he spoke. And this absolutely shocked me. When he spoke, his voice was British. I would say an acquired British middle-aged voice. And I'll never forget his first words. He said, we're going to perform an operation on you, Ronald. Now, when he said my name, I flinched because he knew who I was, but I didn't know who he was. I don't know. They, they evidently knew who I was. And um, I pleaded with him. I knew for some reason, I don't know why, it's to do with the head. I just had this initial uh, uh, idea it was to do with the head. They were going to do something. Now, I was, I'm physically fit. I was then. Nothing wrong with me. Nothing. Apart from being colorblind. Mm -hmm. yeah. he, um, and he said something to the effect of, this has to be done. And he, he then, and I begged and pleaded with him. And I couldn't see him. I just couldn't see him. I couldn't turn around to look at him. And no, this has to be done. It is for your own good. He said, but I promise you, we are not going to harm you. Now, I did believe him. I believed that part. I knew it, but it was the, the thought of the, the lasted operating table. And then he did something very peculiar. Now, this is very interesting, Brandon. I've never had an operation in my life. I have recently, a year ago. What he did was... He took from the table an instrument that was like a rod, and it had a nodule on the end. And I could only see his hands. I wished I counted his digits. I didn't yeah. count them. I wasn't conscious of how many fingers they had. I can't even remember if they were white or blue. I can't remember. Um, Whitish or blue, I don't know. But he picked up this nodule, and on this hand here, he pressed it on my left hand in there as out like a light. I went out like a light. Now, interestingly, this is, and I did not know this. A 13-year-old wouldn't know it. I did not know this. 
that when they operated on me, it was prostate. They had to look for cancer. So I had an operation on my prostate uh, a year ago. I had not, but when under general, they put a needle in there, exactly where the doctor placed, just touched my hand with a nodule. Now, whether that's relevant or not, I don't know, but it's interesting to make the comparison. It that's is. exactly where he pressed it on that hand, and it went up like a light. Anyway, I was thrust out of the thing straight afterwards. I'd woken. Now, I was just falling uh, back to the house. I could feel myself falling. And this time, rather than when I could feel it going up, this I could feel nothing but just shooting up. This time I could feel this static buildup. My every hair on my body was standing on end as I was being dropped, dropped, controlled. And there was a pulse, pulse, pulse. It did, there was no sound. That's how it felt. A pulse. It was all quiet. Pulse, pulse. And every hair on my body was literally standing on end. Of course, you're confused, you're thrown. And I went through the loft. I went through it, through the ceiling. I could see my bed as you're coming down, and they dropped me on the bed, and I will never forget the bump on the mattress. Hmm. That was absolutely horrifying, because it's contact with physicality. I, they, it was happening. This was real. Yeah. Um, everything, then the room, because it's a big room, everything... Um, it seemed to be light, but it, then it dimmed. I don't know whether it was what they used or what. But then the worst of it came. After that, something appeared on the ceiling. Now, I've actually worked this out. It's taken me 30-odd years to work out, or hopefully work out, what this meant. They projected, and I know it was a projection, a huge head of their version of a Cheshire cat. Now, this head was monstrous. It's the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life. It was a projection. It was wavering like water. This was, this was blue. This was electric blue. It was wavering like water, and it was grinning at me. It was so damn horrifying. I cowered. It was the most evilest-looking cat I'd ever seen, and it, it, even his teeth were sticking out. And he just looked at me and looked at me and was wavering. Then psh, he went. That was it. It's, no explanation, nothing. Just so many things to this. So it, it's, I don't know why the hell they would do that. It's, it's almost just like another way to mess with you, kind of. You know what I mean? And to the point to where they're like, oh, we're not going to hurt you. Well, then they would have asked you to volunteer, right? I mean, because yeah. the abduction phenomena, I know you don't like talking about it in that way, but that's it, yeah. by definition what happened, right? So mm -hmm. the abduction phenomena is terrifying. It's Philip book, Without Consent. That's exactly what it is. That's they're, right. You're not giving your permission to do this. Um, yeah. The other interesting part is, so do you think your physical body left, or did you think that it was maybe uh, your etheric body that went through, which is wh what your brother and I talked about, um, that that's why you can go through walls, that's why all of that happens. They take your spirit or your astral body instead of your physical body. And But that would explain also, though, when they returned you, your astral body going back into your body, yeah, you would feel an impact or a jolt or something like that, right? I mean, in theory. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know, but yes, that's quite possible. I wouldn't know. But okay. it, it's, it's, that's how it happened. I didn't know if that's what you what gave you the impression is what actually happened or if you felt that you were physically taken. Because even outside stimuli on your astral body uh, can uh, create stimuli on your physical in a physical this. form. Yeah. yeah. Um, to, to another point that you made, man, um, you know, a lot of people talk about a lot of stuff. I, I'm 
On this show, you're you're with family. You know, you you've got a home here. Okay, I just want to make sure that you know that um, you're. I want to make sure you're extremely comfortable because uh, it's not up to me to tell a sweet man like you that your story is inaccurate, and it's not up to me to judge you for what you're talking about or what you got on. I I'm just interested in you as a human being. I think you're wonderful, and we're having a lovely conversation. And then two, I, I think that your story is interesting. Um, and again, it's not up to me to decide if it's true or not. I honestly don't care. Um, but I think that you had an incredible experience. I think you've written an awesome book and you're a wonderful artist and just a genuine, wonderful human being. So Thanks, now that sir. we've got that out of the way, I just want to make sure that you know that I'm not here to judge yeah. you or anything like no, that. No, okay. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't have the right to do that. But, uh, you know, another interesting point to what you were talking about was what did the room, you said it was squatty and it was very, um, uh, laboratory or medical room like, yeah, which is which is what you hear a lot of, right? Uh, it's that yeah. there's some sort of thing that they're doing to you. Now, for what motives they have to do that, we don't know. Um, but it, it is also interesting that this happened to both you and your brother on separate occasions. Uh, you you guys are like a magnet for this stuff, and um, there, there's some sort of lineage thing. Did you did you ever get looked for an implant or anything like that? Uh, yeah, no, I have never had uh, an examination in the head. Um, I will describe, I will explain that the the ink, when that finished, it's it completely damaged me because every night I'd prop books and guitars up against the doors, terrified. Although they took me through, ironically, to the ceiling, I was horrified of something. So I propped an old guitar against the door so that if someone came in, it would clatter. You could hear it, yeah. Uh, they screwed me up real big time. I used to put bricks uh, sorry books up against the door i'd stuff even books up my back now to make why you wait it a little bit <laughs> to weigh you down make you a little heavier to lift up it, i have it, no idea but the reaction to something like this isn't logical because the logical it's not logical in itself the the experience isn't so there's nothing no. you, you can wrap your mind around and of course as a child no. you would be doing anything you could think of uh, i think the alarm at the door is clever um and yeah of course you would have some sort of irrational uh, reaction to an irrational situation Mm. You suffer in silence because I couldn't tell my father. You can't tell your family because of the orb, the incident before that. You know, as you absolutely clarified perfectly yourself, Brandon, you're ostracized. You can't talk about it to anyone. So I suffered in silence. And it was, as I said, it was a long time ago. Um, it damaged me. I would say scarred me. Um, but it was only later because I was only 13 then, so in my 40s, I began to look into it because a lot more people, God bless them, they started opening up. They were braver than me because they came out first with their encounters. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to relay mine because yeah. there might be some comparisons. And the, the interesting thing about that, now the doctors said to me, I called them the doctors. I don't know what was on them underneath all that. Why would they wear such heavy outfits even neurologists don't need all that get up. They have masks and gloves, but they didn't need all that get up to perform the most sensitive uh, uh, brain repairs or brain damages. So uh, my suspicions arose much later that were, were th why were they completely heavily covered? Even their eyes, I couldn't see their eyes. They had lenses. Um, secondly, interestingly, after that, I said I'm physically fit. I had a massive fit in geography. After this, not straight after, I think someone said the next day, they, I think they got that wrong. It was, I don't know how long it was after. I had a massive fit. And what it was, was the head, these four slashes of pains running down 
running down. It, it was so excruciating. I clutched my head, I killed over, and I fell on the floor, and I was fitting for about two minutes. And the, the school were very good. I mean, they sent me home. I uh, had a banging headache, but they asked me if I wanted to go and see a doctor. No way. No way. Yeah, no I mean, way. It's, it, it's terrifying anyway, the experience, but also how are you going to explain what happened? You know, I mean, they're going to say what happened. You, you didn't feel comfortable enough or you weren't in a safe enough environment to be honest. That's right. And what's interesting is when I, when I look back at this, I then question whether it's possible that these people, whatever they were, I mean, I don't know what they were. They made it quite clear, as we know, they, wouldn't gonna, they were going to show themselves. Why? My argument is if they're so, these things are so advanced, these, we call them aliens. I don't know what they were, but they weren't human. I knew that. Just looking at them, they weren't right. They weren't normal. Why is it if they can knock people out, sound asleep and take you to save all the fuss and bother, why can't they just keep you anesthetized, do what they need to do and put you back without any memory? Yeah, it's or even strange. a screen memory. I mean, cause, and that's, right. that was another question I was going to have for you is why would they let you see that part of it and then knock you out later? It's it's almost like they're bumbling idiots in some cases to where like they don't know what the hell they're doing or where whatever they're doing can malfunction in a certain way, mm. either due to oversight yes. or due to a glitch in the technology or mm-hmm. something. You know, and I was thinking about whenever you were talking about how they were completely clothed and garbed, even even with these odd things. It could be, and if you want to thought experiment it with me, which I love to do, uh, it could be for a couple of reasons. It could maybe be that there it's a contamination type of a suit and from their perspective, you would be yeah. contaminated and they didn't want to get any of your germs or goop on them uh, because we come from different physical yeah. environments, right? Or yes. even more fun maybe would be that they're not even physical beings, but they have an energy that they can wear garments or something kind of like, you know, um, like ghosts, right? How they'll put a sheet yeah. on and then they'll just kind of float on the floor. But the sheet is the only reason you can see the outline of them. Perhaps it's something like that. Yeah, there's two absolutely amazing uh, points you've raised, which I've never heard of. That's the first one's very logical. The second one is equally interesting. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it the fit it, it did uh, force me to wonder many years later whether they had corrected me, whether there was going to be something that they predicted death, and they did something, and at that point in time when they'd done whatever they did. Um, only an operation would tell or a scan, and I don't want that unless yeah. it's absolutely necessary. It's the brain, it's you, it's the seat of you, yeah. you know. Um, whether they had foreseen death, and at that point, there would be like an earthquake as tremors afterwards and aftermath. So what they'd done would leave, uh, it would save my life, but there will be some tremors. Of course, there'll be some residue. I don't know. But the cat, I realized, it took me even longer to work out what he might represent. And it, 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 it completely seemed to make some sense. It's what you were just saying, Brandon, about, you know, their methods of why they may not be able to anesthetize you, which would save all the bother. Um, the cat, I realized... Uh, much later was that is it possible that they projected him and this goes to show their technology is far above us because even today before i get back to the 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 cat even today we have to wear the, the the playstation goggles lenses some type of receptor to actually give us the illusion of 3d which is amazing i mean the the sony um 
the Sony goggles are absolutely incredible. I've used them, so the technology is staggering. But they could, they in 1982 could project light and hold it. Uh, they could, um, they could control that fo f photons uh, and steady them if we use a fanciful word and manipulate them. This thing was wavering like water, so they were giving it the impression of movement as if it was alive. But I knew, I knew straight away, he was a hologram, a very clever hologram. The reason why they showed me it was that. I gathered, or people might correct me on it, I mean, I'm not the, an authority on it, this is just supposition, but is it possible that if I recalled them, firstly, they would try and douse it up with something terrifying, even more terrifying, you know, th with this cat, and secondly, if I go to a shrink, they'll say, oh, hang on a minute, you're just getting confused. Yeah. If you've, you've been down the rabbit hole, that's the Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland, you're just imagining it. That's very smart, isn't it, Brandon? That's very smart. It's incredibly it's smart. It sucks because yep. of how smart it is. Yeah, but that makes sense because they mask it. And instead of just giving you a screen memory or something like that, they mask it with something that's terrifying, number one, uh, that that has a reference in this physical plane in pop culture. So, of course, they would just write it off as that, right? Yeah. He, it goes to show that they, and this is coming from way afterwards when you can really think about it, they know us very, very well. They, they, they know us. They, they, I mean, when, when, when he spoke, um, he knew me. I knew he knew me very well. They seemed to know who I was, but I had no idea who they were. They, they weren't nasty. I must reiterate this point. They were not nasty. What they were, well, considerate to a degree of what he said, but they were determined. They were a force that I couldn't combat. They were going to do what they were going to do. Nothing on heaven or earth was going to stop them, and they did it. What they did, I have no idea. I've, I've got a, a, an idea, what I've said uh, and to Philip as well. We, we spoke about this, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what they did. And as for an implant, I don't know. It's it's quite possible. It's quite possible. I hope not. But you see, this is the interesting thing I found about this phenomena, is that they do implant people because they're trackers. Yeah, they can, yeah. And Robert Lear, that doctor, uh, did a lot with that stuff. He was pulling those yeah. out of people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, it, let me ask you this though, because the story the story is interesting. But if you could do it over again without having gone through that experience and not have the story, uh, is that something you would have chosen? You you'd still would have gone through it? No, I wouldn't. Sorry, I beg your pardon. No, I would never go through it. Yeah, right. It's something that you would take back because the story's not worth the experience yeah. that you had. No, they. Um, what it's cruel. This is the. This is the. I do apologise. I got a bit mixed up there. Um, this is the the sting in the tail with it, and this is, makes it even more of a mockery for people like us. Is that you're left um, ostracised, as I said, and if you speak about it, you will have those who are wonderful understanding and those who are searching for answers because these things are real i've seen their ships not just the orb i've seen other things as well afterwards this was a regular thing every four years with philip myself not them not the doctors i haven't seen them again thank god i haven't seen them yeah. but this is the sting in the tail but you will have those who will sit on a fence and laugh or they may be sympathetic to you but then they stab you in the back 
and that's happened to me quite a few times. If people, they're sympathetic when they know that you've written about them and you tell them a little bit about you've seen them. I don't mention the doctors to them. Um, but And then you can just see it. You can just see it, Brandon, on their faces. And, you know, I said to Philip and I agreed that um, the incident that you evidently spoke to him about of the April the 9th uh, in 2016, when three of them hung over our heads, these things, yeah. a lot of people would run in terror. They would. They, they wouldn't be laughing. No, because these are interesting. What they can do as well. What we've we've realized. What these things can do. Hmm. You know, but maybe it's something to where like you're open to it, and therefore it's attracted to you in some way, right? And and to those yeah. people, man, don't worry about those assholes, dude. So people no. suck. You know, I mean, yeah. some people just suck. I. Yeah. But like I said, you got a home here, so now you're in good hands, man. Um. Well. I was curious then um, about the uh, book, if we could switch gears just a little bit, because your experience is fantastic. But I want to move on and talk about uh, your book and what made you, this most recent one, because you and your brother wrote some really cool books together. Um, tell me yeah. tell me about those real quick, because those were like children's books. About the, yeah. Because, like um, you said, you're so fascinated with robots, and I thought it was cool. Yeah, and humor. I love humor. Um, but then it, you see, this is the, the bone of contention with some, if you do funny voices or you're humorous, they'll think, oh, he's just a, an, he's an actor. This is the whole point. This is fascinating about the UFOs, though, about this subject, because I know they're here. I know they're real. They're damn yeah, real. Absolutely. They're damn well are real. I've seen them. And I am of, hopefully, I have always been brought up with, uh, <coughs> uh, to be, uh, you 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 don't you won't have any nonsense like my grandfather. You're you're, uh, you're you're just sensible. But when you see these things now, it opens Pandora's box. The children's books. Um, I've always loved drawing and I've loved humour, and <clears throat> so I was desperate for an idea for a, a book to try and get it published. This was in the early two thousands, I think. So, and this is a, this is amazing when you're really desperate for an idea or something like this, you know, for fiction. I mean, all writers need ideas. You, it's that what fuels them. I had nothing. And I went away. And when you don't think of anything, and you don't let anything bother you, it comes to you. I saw these identical twin brothers based on me and Philip. We're not exactly 60 yet, but they're 60. They're bone idle. Well, that might appeal to my. That might appear to be my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, they're bone idle. They were once wealthy. We weren't anyway, but and they 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 they're broke, but they need money, so they're good with electronics. So the idea came of these these grumpy old argumentative brothers who you won't want to meet in the street, and they come up with this. They conjure this plan to build a servant to 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 act as a an unpaid skivvy while they get the money, and there's a job. It all begins with a, it's called the Rock Bottom Twins. And when when I say that, you immediately think they're children. They're not. This is we thought. Ad, children love adults. They love it when they go bad. So we thought we'd do them bad. They're really grumpy and horrible. And there's a job offer uh, in this manor house. This was uh, finally published. There's there's a job offer in this manor house by the worst imaginable woman you could imagine. An old hag called they could they she's Lady something. I can't remember her full name. It's a long, long name. It's a lady. But she owns this manor and the staff don't stay because she's such a battle axe. So she's got this offer for cleaners. She's going on holiday and she, they've all left. They can't stand her. She needs a cleaner. So they go and see her and just like that. You're a bit old, aren't you? 
you're, you're sure you can do the job? And she goes on, if I'm missing any forks, if you drink my wine and all that, and she, she's a right old, she, she's a right old badass. But they come <laughs> up with this idea to build a robot. So they build this robot without her knowing and pack him in. And so when she goes on holiday, he can do all the work. Well, she gives him an advance. She's gone. This robot works for them. And, but the plan completely backfires because while they're out enjoying spending their money and leaving this robot they've named, they've christened Ramshack to do all the work, this cleaning up this old biddy's enormous house, which they, they knew that would take them weeks to clean, they leave him to do it. Um, he's malfunctioned. So he was, he was hastily assembled. I think you knew what was coming. Yep. He's hastily assembled. So I won't tell you the ending of that, but this idea spurred a 60-page treatment but do you know, Brandon, that book was turned down by 64 publishers. Hmm. It took two years It took two years to find interest because I think, one, it was so outlandish, and two, um, it was just different. Yeah. You know, who's going to and, – and, 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 and there's not a happy ending either. And I remember, this is amazing, we finally got it published by a, a small – publishing company they weren't widely distributed but beggars can't be choosers brandon you know i mean this was in 2006 it was finally published but um it led to a series of two others um which i love them and i i've written a fourth one but i put it on hold because it's uh i don't know i thought i i the publisher told us when, when we when we met him we, he was a lovely gentleman we met him and he said he said you know he said you know they're so different I love the art, but I'm going to be very honest with you. <laughs> he said, very honest. He's passed now, bless him, but he was a lovely, lovely gentleman. So I'm going to be very honest with you. It's very, very different, but they might work in the future. So we'll give it a go. We'll <laughs> give it a go. We'll give it a go. So, <laughs> so they published it. And it, one of the, the, a journalist reviewed it. And a local journalist reviewed it here, and I'll never forget, it was the most horriblest review for a book you could imagine. But I didn't mind. I was happy it was in the paper. They got a copy of, got a picture of the book in there. There's two grumpy old twins, there's this robot towering over them to emphasize he's the main villain in it, or the main part. And she said, the journalist said, the complete lack of any... <laughs> <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the complete lack of any empathy is staggering. <laughs> All words to that effect. Yeah. Words to that effect. But I thought, well, the whole point is it doesn't have it. We always have stories with happy ever afters. Yeah. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to not have a happy ever after? No, this is going to carry on. Yeah, no. So what's funny is how ironic her statement is because that shows an incredible lack of empathy. Yeah, yeah, and the tables are turned on them in the end because they deserved it. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're not going to get away. If, 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 if one dances, one must pay the piper. Uh -huh. So, you know, they're going to pay the piper big, big time, you know. So that's the children's books. There was a series of three of them. The second one, they build a mechanical elephant called Trunkerflunk. They build an elephant, which I did the artwork of him. I've revised them. Uh, Trunkerflunk, I loved him, absolutely loved him. Great but name. Yeah, trunk of flunk. Yeah, he, he's cocky. You see, what they build become like them. Yeah. They take on their persona. They become assertive 
And, you know, this is the beautiful thing about the robots and kids. I mean, all kids love robots, don't they? They love them, especially when they turn. Well, they're not, they're not bad. I think the robots, uh, they, they're the right, ironically, they're the righteous things in the end, where these two grumpy old men are arguing all the time, the, the, the worst thing imaginable, you know. They need to learn their lesson, but they never do. Um, so that was the Rock Bottom Twins, uh, the Rock Bottom Twins and the Nakabati Mission, which stars Trunk of Flunk, the elephant. And the third one was the Rock Bottom Twins and the Rise of Ramshack, when Ramshack actually does take over and he becomes bad. He's bad because he's had enough. He believes the humans are lazy and it, but it's all from them so they haven't helped <laughs> yeah because they built him to do their job because they were That's lazy right. so uh, he built his army yeah i've got i've got an idea for a children's book that i'll tell you after this so if you guys want to run with it you can have it uh it's one that i've had on the back burner for a long time it's actually really really good so i'll tell you about it when we get off air here um so let me ask you this then uh let's talk about your book um the digital demon and the countdown to disaster so Number one, uh, what made you write that book? And uh, follow-up question, what's the disaster that we're counting down to? The idea of the book came from the doctors, the initial idea of the orb that we saw with Grandma in 1982 and the doctors. But initially, it opened up, uh, as we would say, a can of worms, because I found some very interesting comparisons with these abductions or these things that snatch people at night. And that's what got me, fortunately, very very fortunately, into MUFON as well, because some of the people I'm friends with are MUFON, and they're absolutely wonderful. And one of these chaps, um, he's seen the greys. So it was, and I, although I haven't seen them, they interested me because I began to wonder that when I was younger, uh, after the encounters, um, perhaps 18 or 19, 20s, I began to look into this subject of UFOs. And what confused me, Brandon, really confused me, was the fact that I used to read the 1950s and 60s accounts. I won't name the people here, but there was all love and light and they were concerned for worldly affairs, you know, the, the, then the atomic threat, yep. and now the nuclear threat. But they, they, they abducted these people off the streets or you know, wherever, or in their homes, and they relay their concerns uh, about the state and health of our wonderful Earth. And something didn't quite add up, because we're looking at, first of all, if we go back in folklore, uh, fairies and goblins, and then you have the Nordics, which were popular in the 50s, certainly in the 50s, golden-haired, blue-eyed, people, which would be nice if they were real. I mean, I'm more for them, you know, if they were real. Yeah. Then they change to the greys. And I kept wondering, well, is it something that can change faces to suit what's in vogue? Are we seeing something that is real, but is able to manipulate physicality in a way that we could even barely begin to imagine? And secondly, this peace business didn't add up because I thought if they're so advanced, I came to the conclusion if they were so technologically amazing, which they would be, well, all they need to do is just nullify our, our nuclear war, uh, atomic weapons. They could nullify them quite quickly, quite swiftly in the dead of night. If they're absolutely concerned about the Earth waging war and causing some cosmic ripple or catastrophe or destroying ourselves, they could do it themselves. They haven't. 
and they yeah, won't. They'll temporarily shut them down, but they won't across the board. And I'm, I agree with you on this. They won't across the board just knock them out completely or make them completely unusable. They'll kind of do a show of force. If you believe in the stories, they'll do a show of force, shut them down, and then turn them back on, you know, an hour later or something like that. Yeah. And if and it then, is truly all about peace, yeah, then you would think so. Now, to your they point- would, of, They would have taken that step, most definitely. They would have knocked them all out. We build more, knock them out. Build more, we can't. There's no point. I completely agree. It's, it's solved. Game yeah. game over. We they've won. They yeah, haven't. and it, it does kind of mess with you. And and to the point of what you said about how they they used to be fairies um, and goblins and things like that, then they changed to Nortics or the Pleiadians. I know is a big one, like the Billy Meyer case, uh, where he said that they look exactly like us. They would blend right in with us, and you couldn't tell that they were extraterrestrial or whatever they said that they were. Um, and then it does move into the Greys, and then it does look like the Greys and the reptilians hang out and it looks like bigfoot's a part of this shit somehow and it's yeah. an it's an interesting thing about yes and it's but it's just like the craft themselves the craft themselves change over time they become just one step out of what we're technologically able to we're able to conceptualize it but we can't do it physically right um it's kind of like again with the uh, i've said it but the wooden ships that the uh, vikings would see in the sky well they were wooden ships that they could build themselves but they couldn't make them fly and it's just like right. um the discs and things like that it's like we could get that but we couldn't understand how something was flying without you know an aft wing and, and wings and stuff like that uh even the delta craft that kenneth arnold said that he saw it's it's kind of like that and it's one step ahead of technologically what we're able to so psychologically i think that is something that just kind of messes with us you know yes, Keeps yes. Us it guessing. is a reality yeah. it is a reality but it takes the form we're now beginning to form a small weak picture i don't believe i'm the first to announce this I think perhaps Jack Fellay came up with an idea, which I now know he, he has uh, hinted that it's messing with our psychology. Yep. So it, it, it appears to me that now grades are in vogue since Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which was a brilliant film. Um, I, I didn't like the ending because I just thought, I don't know why, after the doctors, they're not friendly. It's, they're not friendly at all. I don't think they are. I don't think yeah. they are peace-bearing creatures at all. They won't, it's, it's, a, it's a nice picture, but it didn't, it didn't wash with me. Although Steven Spielberg is a master. I absolutely love him. Brilliant man. But this thing, it seems to, like the doctors, were they what they were? I mean, they, they projected the Cheshire Cat. But even as a 13-year-old, I could not decipher him. But there was no need to, because if I told the doctors these shrinks, if I had gone to see them, that I'd seen a cat, they would think, oh, no, it's a Cheshire cat. You, you, he, look, he's young. He's going through puberty. Yep. He's confused. You know, yeah. they were clever. They were clever. The second reason why Countdown to Disaster, this, the, the initial uh, journal of the encounter, and I have not elaborated on any of it at all, just to let your, your listeners know, I don't, I don't elaborate at all. Um, I try and give it as best I can the testimony because to color it would be terrible. It's lies. It would be lies. And so I don't color it. The countdown disaster, well, it got me thinking about, we won't go down this road, but the government's empathy, empathy is being sort of, it seems to me that empathy is being lost, is whether it's deliberate. All we see on news now is negativity, negativity, as if something is driving us down, something is pulling us down. And when we're down, we can't really think because we're like rabbits staring into the bright headlights. We're stunned. We can't think. We can't move. And you see the past atrocities of the what the countries and governments have done. And this opened even more to the fact that one of your brilliant 
entrepreneurs, one of your brilliant masters, is thinking about connecting AI to people, which is a disgraceful, terrible perversion of nature. He's also openly come out and said that he's terrified of AI taking over, and he called it the demon. But then he wants but, to yeah, the, implement it. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot more that they do than we um, are being led to believe, yeah. but um, he is a, I'm with you. Yeah, he's a genius, and mm -hmm. I admire him. I absolutely admire him. But there are limits. You, you, when you become gods, that becomes dangerous. Now, the countdown to disaster is, of course, of the future. And I look into that. I think we all have a basic idea what's going to happen even now. I mean, we, we, we're becoming overpopulated. Um, and that's not a, 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 a nasty thing to say because it's actually factual. We, we, there's more and more of us. Um, and if you introduce sterility, that would be immoral. So where do you go from there? But the future, which I see, will be governed by AI. It makes me laugh, you know. This is where we go into countdown to disaster because it's not going to be very good because they want to chip us. We will be chipped. The newborns will be chipped in the future, most definitely, if they're not doing it now secretly, they will do. Believe me, it's. Uh, I would consider it to be, and the others rightly so, mark of the beast, you see. You don't chip people, but they will, they will have their way. They will have their way. Um, secondly, it's about the... Um, the computer aspect, the AI. Now, it makes me laugh. Now, I was very fortunate. When I was younger, we didn't have digital technology when I was a kid. There was no such thing as digital technology. It only started to come about in the for me, in the 70s, I think it was the 70s, when it really took off with the digital watches. And that was simple digital. I mean, it's just simple. So I have been fortunate enough to see the dawn of the technological leap. And it was a leap. I mean, my God, and it's a fantastic leap. I'm not, down to, I'm not denouncing them. They were incredible people, scientists and technicians, brilliant. But I learned to program computers then. I began to learning. I was fascinated with them, hence my interest in robots, my love for them. Um, I programmed the computers. I learned BASIC, which stood for Beginners All Purpose Symbolic Instruction Code. is an interpreter. But basically, I mastered BASIC on my own. I started programming them. But then they took the leap with Microsoft, who are brilliant. They took the leap again and again. They changed it. But what makes me laugh is when people say about artificial intelligence is here now. It is not. We have not developed artificial intelligence yet. Um, Elon Musk is, is referring to, I think he would agree with this, that the, even such things as Alexa are based on, they're based on like a flow chart. Uh, how can I put it simply? They're based on variables. Yeah. Millions like of variables. Yeah. Yes. The robot humored me when I saw Sophie, I think her name is, when she made that admission about killing Terrifying. off humanity. Terrifying. Yeah. I, I must admit. And ironically, I, I, Saudi Arabia made her a citizen. So they yeah. wouldn't even recognize the own women in their country, but they'll recognize yeah. a robot woman. I thought the irony was great. It's ridiculous. Yeah. They gave her even a citizenship. It's, it's ridiculous. I, don't, I, I think to compare to the AI I'm referring to in the book, uh, to put it politely, they're toys. Yeah. They would be just mere toys because when we take the leap into the quantum realm, that's when we will have serious problems because they will then well be able to think for themselves. Uh, the quantum uh, realm, as well as developing 
of the first stages, perhaps, of weak time machines. Um, it cool. delve into, I delve into a lot. Yeah, I, I go into time travel as well. Yeah. We've been, we, we, we've, we've got, we've got a very loose. We, we have a, a very. I mean, I'm no scientist, but it's just logic. We have a very loose concept of time travel. We believe that if we go forward. We're going to get the lottery tickets and come back and fill in the ticket. We won. Now it's not going to be as simple as that, because. I mentioned in there about time travel. When when they develop the first time machine, the first successful time machine, it's not to say they haven't tried it. I'm not denouncing the Philadelphia experiment at all. I'm not denouncing that they may have been tampering with electromagnetic worlds and done something. It's like a kid experimenting for the first time, you know, with with messing with things that could possibly do harm or good but when they actually do it's rather like to time travel this is why i explain the book imagine you're standing before a stream and you throw a pebble into the stream you see the pebble drop into it in order to travel in time you would have to do that but you would have to recall every pressure it's, it's rather like this the size of the ripple exactly where it landed that would be your future so to map a future event, you would have the mathematics would have to be excruciatingly accurate. The pebble in the stream, the analogy, it has, would have to be a slingshot at the same pressure, the same angle to create the same ripple. Imagine doing that. We could never do that. So this is the complexity of time travel. This is what they would need to do. Because I'm not saying it's impossible. It is, it is possible. Absolutely. I've always maintained the theory that time travel is possible. It'll be dangerous. First, the first successful time machine will have to be thrown out. That means basically there'll be no bearings to see what kind of future it has, what reality we live in then. Because we're looking into, does this open up alternative worlds by sliding doors. You see what I mean? Does it begin to open up a paradox where there are two worlds or three worlds or four worlds? And if you go back, if you don't get your calculations spot on to where you first landed, you could have a second reality or a third reality. You see what I mean? Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. I just thought of this, actually. Um, what if time travel and time is simply the fact that there are the many worlds theory right in the quantum realm that that it's all just dimensions but that the dimensions are slightly off from ours but if you could tune into the infinite dimensions what if all that is is glimpses of different points on the same timeline right mm -hmm. so what if dimensions are just that and when you jump into the future you actually just jump in to another dimension that's operating at the same time as ours from our perspective, but really you're shifting it to a new time in a different dimension. That would be cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah I, I like just thought that. of that. I didn't even... Yeah, uh, yeah so, it's, it's, it's a good idea. Mine's only a theory. It's not set oh, of in course. stone. Yeah, we just, we just talk here, man. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that that's really cool, and I love time travel. That's one of my favorite uh, things to think about and to ponder on, because then you get into all the paradoxes and things like that. And if we do time yeah. travel, really all you're doing is shifting into uh, a new timeline, right? Um, have you heard the theory, I'm sure you have, that UFOs and aliens are basically just uh, humans from the future coming back in time, and the UFOs are actually time machines? I have heard it. Now, there's a problem with that. I've given that a lot of thought. Me I'm too. not denouncing yeah. it. I'm not denouncing it. I can't. That would be wrong of me because, it, you know, it, who am I? You know, I'm, I'm just someone who's uh, been abducted by aliens and with the <laughs> journal on it. <laughs> who am I? But there are some problems with that. And we have to look at this logically. Okay. Now, 
Are they saying that these humans are trying to spare their own kind by collecting genetic material to take back? Is that what they're doing? It, it's one of the theories, as well as maybe it's just like holiday for them, you know, in the future, mm. uh, or like scientists or archaeologists. Uh, Dr. Mm. Michael P. Masters wrote a really cool book on it. He is an anthropologist and archaeologist, but he has an awesome uh, kind of scientific approach that he takes to it. I think it's one of the best arguments I've heard as far as that argument, his point of view on it. And it's that, you know, he was digging around in the dirt and he was thinking, man, if I was a future archaeologist, and had the ability to time travel, even technologically, then coming back to see how the pyramids were built, uh, what happened in 2020, which is maybe why a big, big bunch of spikes happened. Uh, you know what? You know they they're seen around volcanoes a lot. Um, so those type of things, maybe it's just either for exploration, maybe it's like holiday, you know, or something like that. They just come back for fun. Uh, or yeah. yes, perhaps we are some sort of resource to them in the future. And that doesn't mean that all entities are that. It's just interesting how. Uh, you know, the point again in Michael's uh, book is is that um, hominids, you know, bipedal hominid beings, bipedals, uh, have only evolved once out of the millions of spe- millions and millions of species on this planet, and it's been mm. us. So yeah. to say that, that people see so many hominids, if there's a physical element to it, and it's not just psychosomatic or not just something that's playing tricks on our brain or an interdimensional type of thing, if we had to follow a timeline and and respond or give an answer or a hypothesis to what those things are, this is a pretty good, I, I think, uh, because we'll never know, right? Um, but that's a I pretty like, good I like observation. I, I, I think, think it's that's fun, you know? The, the, ty- the, 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 the medical thing, as you said, the materials, no, I don't believe that at all, because um, that would make any sense, because... I said to Philip, we discussed this uh, a few days ago, is that if you were a time traveler, you would reach a point in time to go back when they were the human race was perhaps more or less cured of all ailments and diseases. At the moment, we have cancer, we have COVID, we have many, many, many diseases. They would logically point, pick a point in time where they would know when we were more or less uh, pacified with with viruses, we 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 were cured. So they go to that point and take DNA from a perfect specimen. So I rule out the fact of actually collecting material from us. But the hypothesis of them coming back to see uh, how things were created, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. I, yeah. Just for fun, right? I mean, if you're in the future yeah. and stuff sucks or whatever, you know, and you just you've got a time machine, and maybe that's like their car, like the Jetsons, you know, they're just they've got that little car. Maybe yeah. everybody can do it, and there might yeah. be some sort of rules or something like that to it. But um, yeah. to the to the DNA part of it, maybe this is like the best time to come back and see us, or maybe it's a combination of different times because UFOs have been reported since the beginning of time, since the beginning yes. of humanity. With uh, you've got petroglyphs um, in caves of people talking about star systems, the Dogon tribe talking about star systems that they could not have seen with the naked eye, but they proved that Sirius A had a binary star, Sirius B, it orbited every 50 years. I mean, they were spot on on this stuff, and there's no way from our perspective, unless there was an ancient advanced culture, which I don't rule that out either, I think that there could have been many ancient advanced cultures that have been destroyed by some sort of cataclysm or something like that. That knowledge could have been passed down that way. Yes, but I, this opens up. This opens up the ancient aliens. Um, the the fact that I do actually go into the Mayan deity. Um, well, he's referred to as a deity as Kolkukan, um, yeah. the, the the feathered serpent. Yep. Now, I I wouldn't be at all surprised um, if he wasn't actually reality, because if you think of the knowledge, as you just said yourself, the absolute amazing knowledge, the Mayan tribe, the 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 race there. Um, 
uh, certainly El Castillo, the temple dedicated to Kukulkan, and the the mirage it gives at the equinoxes to actually represent a serpent sliding down the temple yes. is staggering. Yeah, Chichen so, Itza, yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 if I suppose from the future they would, I, well, yes, I would like to go back. In fact, I'd like to go back to see the dinosaurs. Yeah, so exactly. if you could, exactly. if you could, why not? Yeah, I, I, I think like that, that that's cool. And it, it's if if we have to make it a little bit more whimsy, that's that's my pick. You know, if I had to yeah. plant my flag in one, which nobody can, if I had to choose like what I would like for it to be, or, or what in my mind would be the most science, uh, science fictiony or the coolest, um, that's what it would be. I just like the thought experiment of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. I think that's a that's a that's quite a nice, charming picture. Um, yeah. And and if they can, why not? And it would also prove, and this is exciting. And like you were saying about the the researchers, and um, this would prove excitingly that uh, we're not. It's not like linear. It's like there are. It's it's not like because time is just a calculation. It but the the true physical time is just how we measure the rotations of the Earth and its orbit around the Sun. That's all it is. How but we meet this... for tea at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I agree with you, and I, I think that it's really interesting, though. These are the kind of thought experiments I love talking about, and thank you for going down those rabbit holes with me, man. This is, this is you know, one of those fun things. I don't, um, you know, I've said it before, I don't watch sports, I don't, you know, watch The Real Housewives, whatever. This is what I choose to spend my time on, and, and it's led me to be able to have the opportunity to talk to some really cool people about some really, really cool ideas. Yeah, I, I think time travel is going to be, when it when this happens, and I said all along, it can have, it, it, there is, they can do it. It. They can do it. The first challenges will be very, very crude. But I believe, I mean, there are people who believe that some of it has been done. It might well have done. I mean, we, you, this is interesting about time because you, you suggest about people coming from the past. There's been a number, not all, because we have to be careful, a lot of doctored and faked, a number of photographs which are interesting, which people were in gear that we wouldn't wear. Holding a uh, cell phone. Yeah, the yeah. cell phones, the ultra modern uh, clothes. Yep. It's fascinating. Fascinating. And stories like that. John Teeters and stuff like that. That's a, just a fun story as well. Um, yeah. I was thinking about something. Oh, well, and maybe even it's hard for us to rationalize because perhaps what's going to be invented. What we think of as time travel is probably going to require some sort of mechanism, vehicle, or something like that. How we traverse our planet now, faster than on our feet, is with a bicycle, with a horse, with a car, with yeah. a plane. Okay, those are those are things that we can wrap our mind around as far as needing a vehicle or something like that that's powered in some sort of way that's more resilient yeah. than us to traverse a larger space. So. Yes. That logical, that thinking, though, isn't what created the car. Because if you think about it, when people were riding horses, cars looked nothing like horses. Horses were the only mode of transportation, but they decided to come up with a car. And cars are yeah. so radically different. This isn't my idea. I've just heard it told. So maybe the, the idea of time travel is something so radically different from how we envision traversing anything because it doesn't need to be that. Um, That's and right. I, and I think, though, that the UFO part of it, like that they're able to fly or levitate or however you want to say it, would be the best thing to use because then you're not jumping in the middle of a mountain or something like that. You can come That's in- right. The geography would change. That's right. They'd have to be very careful in water. Yes, that would be logical. I did say, Philip and I said with the TARDIS uh, on Doctor Who, we just discussed that it couldn't be level and just transport to the future because the geography changes. Of course, the water level rises and falls. Yeah, so mudslides. The air, the air 
was the best place to actually travel. In fact, I actually actually written that in the Digital Demon. I put in there that it, the time machine would have to be airborne. Yeah, it would. Okay. Man, yeah. I can't wait to get a copy of this book, dude. <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward to it because just this conversation has been fantastic. Um, so I had a couple of just silly fun questions for you if you want, and then we can kind of just yeah. wrap this up, man. Okay. Uh, Genie Bottle washes up on shore. You got three wishes. Can't wish for more wishes. That's cheating. What do you got? <laughs> Anything you want. Oh God, that's a, you know that's really hard. That's really hard because it's like when you summon the genie, what you're going to ask him? Right, okay, I've got it. It wouldn't be immortality. Okay, that's I dangerous. Agree with that. I don't want to live forever. That's, that's yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Um, to be healthy all my life, it sounds corny, but it's true because when you get sick, it's awful. You know, to be healthy all your life, that would be one. Two. Well, stop all wars. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could say you would be rich, but would that buy you happiness? No, it doesn't. You see, we've seen it. We've seen it. It doesn't buy happiness. The third one would be world peace. That's just it. World peace. But money stop can, all the wars. Money can buy you a private jet, and I'd be pretty happy riding around in that. <laughs> it might buy you, you a know, time machine. You know, we, 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 you know, people think you're crazy saying that, but we've seen it all along. People can have all the money in the world. They're not happy, oh, Brandon. Yeah. They're not yeah. happy. Because when you have everything, what is there left? Mm-hmm. Well, it we've, is, we're seeing that with a lot of world leaders right now that just want to – power is the thing that's left. When you have people – I'm not going to say any names, but you know who I'm talking about – who have all the money yeah. in the world, and uh, then the next thing that they want is to control everyone or to control the world or to do things oh, that yes. they see fit. It's just like these Bond villains emerge when you have too much damn it's money. An old, right? It's an old tune. It's an old tune. You get tired of it. Yes, we need food and we need shelter, but we're happy as we are. But no, I, I think this, uh, the health would come first. Yeah. I, and uh, – and, uh, you know, but I liked it on the Aladdin when he said, "Don't ask me to bring back the dead. It's not a pretty sight. Just yeah. don't do it." Yeah, it would be nice if we could do that, but now it's uh, no. <laughs> and he might be able to do that, but he's not going to bring back somebody that's dead. He's going to bring back and reanimate corpses, right? You know, because yeah, these things right. are very literal. Because don't forget, a genie is a gin, and those are crafty bastards. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, uh, let me ask you: um, if you could uninvent one thing, what would it be? I can answer that straight away. Their mobile phone. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Okay. It's we've reached a point in time where it, I mean, as I said, when we were kids, we were before all this. Mm-hmm. I was before all this, but people want to be connected immediately, and if you don't answer, they they you they quip you over why you didn't answer. It's instant access. Yeah. Whereas when I was a kid, you had to go as a lot of people they had to go to an old phone box and put your coin in and dial the number. There was something charming about that. But I know we had telephones in the house, but it wasn't like now. This is major phones are everywhere. Phones ever. Don't get me wrong; they're handy. I'm not disputing the fact that if there is an emergency, they are fantastic, but it comes with a curse. It's a sting and a tail. It's like people are always on them all the time, you know, always texting, 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 and it, it gets to a point where you think, are you living or actually are you becoming a machine? Well, you know? what about instead of uninventing the phone altogether or the mobile phone, you just take away the curse of it? 
Like that could be your wish. You take away the problems you have with it, which I don't disagree. Uh, I think people are on it way yeah. too much. It, it we lose connection, even though we're more connected than ever, right? It, theoretically, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. take away the bad stuff about it. Let me have my phone, you know. But take yeah. away all the crap, yeah. you know. Take away the rubbish, yeah. right? And that what you guys unfortunately we we've gone down. It's like a, a steamrolling. There's nothing that can stop it now. Nothing can stop it, and they will put the chip in our head eventually. They'll have their way if they can. Um, they'll find ways of doing it and as i said the book my book doesn't paint a pretty picture but i'm a realist you see i mean the fact of us having gardens and being together and 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 you know the community they keep this word i hate is when these people use the word community there is no community anymore it's being destroyed coherently taking apart piece by piece because we're becoming robotized you know you, you if you and now today if you state anything and it's not on par with what they believe, you are slaughtered. Mm. You are thrown to the wolves. Any religious or racial or humorous thing, it's become a nanified state and a state of bullying. And although technology is, and I'm all for technology, but I said in the digital demon, whatever you created will always be abused. Mm. Well, that's it, right? We just need to reach society, uh, maturity as a society. We do need more of a spiritual, and not even spiritual, like uh, religious. We just need more of a, uh, more in tune with the earth. That does not mean take away some some of the technologies that we find useful, but just balancing things out a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, and also, to your point about community, I agree with you. Now, I am fortunate enough to live out here in the country, in Texas. Uh, we're in uh, just uh, in North Texas up here, just west of the major cities. And uh, I've got a neighbor who's fantastic. I mean, we talk, he gives gives me egg cartons, I would fill them up with eggs from our chickens and give them back to him. And then I would be able to take those egg cartons. Now they're not going to waste. They're going to other people. He grows excess things in his garden. I grow other things in my garden and we swap out. He'll, he'll, he grows stuff that I don't happen to grow. And I grow some really hot peppers and he loves spicy peppers. And so, uh, you know, there is some of that still left out here. And I, but I can get from, from a certain perspective, how, um, you, people obviously can see that that's not as prevalent as it was before or needs to be. I completely agree. Um, Okay, well, let me ask you this then. Uh, To the things that you said, I got one final question for you and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, with, With that being said, you have the world's attention in any language, okay, for 30 seconds. What is your message to every single living person on the planet? No pressure. No pressure here, Ronnie. This is a slam dunk. What what I will do in 30 seconds. Um... Do you know that's a very hard question? Yeah, it's not easy. It's not. <laughs> no, I just think I, I just think love each other. Mm-hmm. Just love each other. All the you know, and the trouble is that I wonder if this division has been, and I wouldn't be at all surprised. In fact, I do believe it has been conjured, it's been orchestrated to create hatred across this world. There is so much hatred. It's not the people's fault. It's the media. Mm-hmm. They are to blame the media and those who control them. Um, they are to blame for the negativity, for the disgrace that they keep causing. It is the media themselves that are the perpetrators and they should stand trial for treason because all they're doing is destroying 
all they're doing is destroying happiness and goodness mm. because we see it yes we need a certain amount of news yes we do need that we do need to be informed truthfully and most of them don't they elaborate because it it sucks in viewers it is the media you know a, a, your great country i mean the 1950s i reckon that was a, a beautiful it was a smashing yeah. i mean george lucas um I love his work, mm -hmm. and he did the, the the film on with Ron Howard, wasn't it? With the cars, you know. I can't remember what it was called. It's not insulting to him, of course. I wouldn't be. I just on the top of my head. But that that exemplifies in Greece. That exemplifies. Oh, yeah. yeah. That exemplifies what America should be. That's wonderful. Yeah. Then and it to me when I saw that it was so magical. I thought, well, the Muppet Show with Jim Henson. All that wonderment, yeah. the bionic man, the bionic woman. Your country has created some of the most incredible uh, television and, 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 and the, the, the morals of it are wonderful. Then, but as you see, that's the type of life we should be living. The 1950s. You're very that sweet to the code, but we also invented the damn Kardashians too. So we're going to take that one on the chin. That's so. a modern thing. Yeah, that's a modern. That's a modern thing. Yeah, that's, that's, a that's modern fair. Thing. That's fair. Um, well, my friend, we're going to wrap it up here. But please uh, tell tell the folks where they can find you. Um, I don't have a website <clears throat> as of yet, but if you wish to get hold of me, I'm on Facebook under Ronald James Kinsella, and. Um, I think I'm part of an art uh, forum. I uh, can't remember what it is, but all the details are on Facebook. So I used to, as you know, Brandon, I used to have a, a website, but it, 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 it was costing me too much every month and there weren't much viewers because you got a little counter on there. And I thought, you know what, it's okay. Yeah. I just moved to Facebook. You get more, more. And I know they're going to say, hang on a minute, he said about technology, but he's using Facebook. But we I need knew some what you kind meant. of. You, yeah, had an, we, you have an altruistic you, meaning for you've it. You've got to have some kind of platform to get out there. So, yes, I'm on Facebook. That's why I'd say take away the curse, not the actual item. Um, but <laughs> uh, so I'll link that. I'll, if you, With your permission, I'll link your Facebook in the show notes yeah. so people can find yeah. you, as well as, of course, how to get your book, uh, The Digital Demon, Countdown to Disaster, which I, I like the transhuman... Um, transhumanism fear uh, that's into that because I think that that is a big concern. I'm not going to yep. say fear, I'm going to say concern. Yep. Uh, and yep. I completely agree with you. I think that that is uh, not only where we're heading, but it's an Aldix, Aldix Huskley thing um, where he said that it's not going to be something forced upon us. It's going to be something that people demand. And that's it. And, you know, all those yeah. people that say, oh, no, I'm being tracked. Well, you're being tracked all the time anyway, dude. You know, you've got this right here. The next step, because this is inseparable from most people. Uh, a yeah. lot of folks uh, can't put it down and just go outside and do something without it for five minutes. And that's that's the real issue, which is why the transhumanism agenda is not going to be something that's going to be hard. It's going to be something people want, especially with that Neuralink, like you were talking about with um, Elon Musk's Neuralink. Yeah. It's going to give yeah. people such an advantage as far as the instant recall of information. Information, uh, as far as the cognitive ability that it's leaps and bounds ahead of what we're physically capable of doing. I don't think it's a good thing, but I think that it is no. going to be something that people won't be able to deny. Yes, it's the trouble is they make it look so pretty and smart, you see. I so mean, pretty I, and smart. I'd like to know, you know, some dumb facts or whatever, but I also, I'm also kind of a big fan of the authenticity of human beings and how we're flawed in that way uh, and how nothing's perfect. And I feel bad actually for people who have perfect memories. I was talking to my wife about this uh, because they remember everything, traumas, everything. They can't forget anything. And that, that sounds horrifying to me. Um, so 
Ronnie, I, I've really appreciated your time, my friend. Um, stay on the line after we get hung up here, because I want to tell you about that children's book, that idea I've got for you. Okay. So you guys uh, check out The Digital Demon. It'll be linked in the show notes as well as how to find my buddy here uh, on Facebook. And I uh, cannot thank you enough for your time. You and your brother are very sweet, and you did not disappoint. Uh, and I'm just absolutely grateful. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much, Brandon, for having me on your show. And as you were saying about the mobile phones, uh, the uh, I wonder who else is tagging us. <laughs> <laughs> All of them, man. Uh, everybody. But um, thank you again, my friend. We'll do it again soon. Okay. Thank you. A massive thank you to Ronald Kinsella for his time on the show today. Uh, very interesting about his abduction in the winter of 1982, as well as we really got off on some really cool trains down there that I love the thought experiment of. You guys know that. Uh, check out his book, The Digital Demon, Countdown to Disaster. It is linked below in the show notes, as well as how you can find him on Facebook there. Give old Ronnie a contact out there. Tell him how great he did. He's a sweetheart, and we really enjoyed talking with him. As for this show, uh, if you want to find us, you can do so on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you want to email the show directly, you can do so at uh, expandingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. Other than that, guys, you know, have a great week, and we will see you next time, and y'all be good to each other, all right? All right.